Good morning. We're on number five with the Apostles' Doctrine. We'll be in Romans 14 and 15 this morning. But I want you to turn to John chapter 17. What I want to do this morning is look at the pathway of the church from a family to a family of missionaries. And the way that Paul does that in Romans chapter 15, one of the greatest chapters on missions in the whole Bible, in this incredible treatise on the gospel, the book of Romans, is by going back to chapter 14 and telling us that the church family is a laboratory, a training ground, a practice field for cross-cultural missions. But I want to start in John chapter 17. So turn there, please. John 17, and we're going to look in John 17 and verse 19. Jesus' high priestly prayer. The night before he is crucified, Jesus prays this to his Father in John 17. Verse 19, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. What glory is that? That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect or complete in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I will that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you have sent me, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. There's something profoundly theological and missional in these verses. And by that I mean this. There is something that tells us about who God is. The theology of God. His glory. And there's something that tells us about God's mission through His Son, through His ambassadors, us in these verses. There is a profound truth that as the church of Jesus Christ is united in truth and united in oneness of mind and united in love for each other, the world will know that God has indeed sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. In other words, through the church of Jesus Christ, oneness in His truth and in Him, exhibited in loving kindness to one another, the world will know who Jesus is. This comes as no surprise if you read a few chapters over in John chapter 13 where he preceded this prayer in John 17 with this statement to his disciples that the world will know you are my followers, you are my learners of me if you have love one for another. You see, as we love one another, we display the glory of God to the world. 
We display the very nature of Father, Son, and Spirit, who they always have been to the watching world. And when we do not love one another, and when we do not um, uh, cooperate with one another with, with things that are, are simply at the level of opinions, various opinions, Romans 14 tells us that we are robbing God of his glory that he wishes to show to the world. So walk with me in this journey through Romans chapter 14 and 15. Romans 15, the greatest chapter on missions in Scripture. The greatest chapter in the greatest book on the gospel, the treatise of the gospel here, the book of Romans. Romans chapter 15, Paul's heart for the nations because of God's promise plan through Abraham to the nations is linked by no accident to Romans chapter 14. How to get along with people in the church you may not agree with. You may have a different opinion with. I'm by this, I'm not talking about the cardinal truths of the faith, the fundamentals of the faith, but I'm talking about other opinions. And the Bible says that the church is the training grounds, the laboratory, the practice field for cross-cultural missions. If we can get that down in the church, there are profound and powerful things that God does for his mission of seeing people come to Christ their lives change and transformed by the gospel and made disciples of Jesus Christ. And the reverse is true. If we do not get this, if we do not obey God and his principles that he has laid out and his commands and Romans 14 of how to deal with one another when we have different opinions about different things, our witness is crushed. We rob the very glory of God. So walk with me on this journey. Here we've been. We started off in Acts chapter 10 and saw the gospel that God had, give, that God had given the apostles. The gospel that was preached. And we saw the encapsulation of that in Peter's preaching to Cornelius. The kerygma. The proclamation of what God has done in Christ. Very clear. Very frank. Very simple. Very powerful. And then we look the next week at the meaning of baptism and what it is to be immersed under the water and come out of the water as a representation of our union, our connection, our oneness in Christ and our oneness with one another. And to never forget our baptism, because the Bible goes back to it for our growth in Christ, our sanctification, and the Bible goes back to it um, for our experience and trials to remember the victory of Christ. Never forget our baptism. The third week, we looked in Colossians chapter 2. The concept that there are foundational principles here that when we build our lives on those things, we are rooted and built up in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we have learned Jesus Christ, so we are to walk in his truths. We're to flesh these out. And there are also foundational principles of the world that pull on us. And we touched on that in last week's message on Romans chapter 12, where we looked at transformed minds. The process that the scriptures in Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4 tell us need to be going on 
through a surrendered heart, through a pursuit after God's truth, to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That as we take in the truths of God's word, and we put off the old man, and we put on the new man in Christ, and we speak the truth in love to one another. Ephesians 4 tells us that the body fitly joined together grows, increases in itself unto love. Now, here's one of the things that we need to put off and put on in Romans chapter 14. Because I have seen over my few years of ministry and growing up in a pastor's home uh, as a kid, so I guess you could say 42 years of being around um, uh, the church and ministry here. Some of you have been around way longer can testify more to this. I've seen churches destroyed by not following the principles here in Romans chapter 14 over disputable matters, over levels of opinions. And so Romans, God gives us an ingenious, powerful, wise way to deal with one another, with love, so that we do not rob God of his glory displayed in us, his very nature, the nature of Christ, to love and truth. If we're to be honest, there are many opinions that abound in all of our churches, uh, even among our own families, about a variety of different things. Opinions on what are we to do on the Lord's Day and how are we to treat that day. Opinions on what levels of entertainment are acceptable and unacceptable for believers. Opinions on uh, what words are words that Christians should say and Christians shouldn't say. Opinions on how should a Christian dress? What is the nature of that? Even within the realm of modesty. Opinions of, well, is it okay to smoke a pipe? Is it okay to smoke a cigar? Is it okay to drink a beverage with alcohol in it? These things have been debated over many years in the church. There are opinions about money. Is debt allowed? Am I allowed to borrow? Opinions about holidays. Are there certain holidays that are unacceptable for a believer to participate in? Or is it okay to participate in those? Such as Halloween. Opinions on having children and birth control. Different views on that. Opinions on parenting and parenting style and the application of nurture and admonition and raising up children in the Lord. Education options for your family and for your children. Public school, private school, home education, relationships, different opinions on dating, courting, etc., Opinions on how many church gatherings a week, how often, what should those church gatherings involve. Opinions on some of the finer details of the end times. Opinions on different cultural views of music. There are very different opinions in Myanmar, where I've had the opportunity to see and be, than there are in this particular region. Opinions on Bible translations. Opinions on certain political issues. Opinions about our care for the environment. 
Opinions about tattoos. Even opinions about insurance. Is using insurance. Not trusting God. Opinions on borrowing, etc. We could list a multitude of different opinions. What instruments are acceptable? We all got opinions about these things, and there's a variety more, perhaps, that you could share that you might be thinking of as well. Well, isn't it wonderful to know that God has loved us enough to not let us shame his glory, but has given us very explicit instructions on how we are to deal with different opinions in the church and our positions on those. So let's go to Romans chapter 14. I'll read that passage. And I'm going to show you principles here in Romans 14, God's word, that enable us to see God's solution of love. Now listen to these words in Romans 14. And of this time here this morning, this is the most sanctified time because this is God's words. This is pure. My words might be tainted. My words, I've endeavored to be honest with the text, be clear to the text. But I want you to be a Berean and check out the scriptures and make sure that I'm saying what the scriptures are saying, what God has said, and not just my opinions. So listen to God's word in Romans 14. Him that is weak in the faith receive you, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believes that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eats herbs. Let not him that eats despise him that eats not. And let not him which eats not judge him that eats. For God has received him. Who are you that judges another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Yea, he shall be held up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regards the day, regards it to the Lord. And he that regards not the day, to the Lord he does not regard it. He that eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he that eats not, To the Lord he eats not and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no man dies to himself. For whether we live, we live to the Lord. And whether we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you set at nothing your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not, therefore, judge one another any more. But judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteems anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. 
But if your brother be grieved with your meat, now walk you not charitably. Destroy not him with your meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat, destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby your brother stumbles, or is offended, or is made weak. Have you faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemns not himself in that thing which he allows. And he that doubts is damned if he eat, because he eats not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached you fell on me. For whatsoever things were written before time were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. That you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, Receive you one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, For this cause I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and laud him, all you people. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, that you may abound in hope. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, and I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly to you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable 
being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ and those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not worked by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Powerful words here. You can see Paul's heart for the nations and the Gentiles. You can see how this is also hinged on Romans chapter 14. And so what I want you to do is go back to Romans chapter 12 so we can be reminded what the outcome of a transformed mind, a renewed mind by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the word of God informing your mind so that it is then a living sacrifice for God that is not pressed in and conformed to to the values and core system of the world, but by the will of God, the word of God, so that uh, we prove that God's, uh, God's will is, is rational, that God's will is reasonable, that God's will makes sense, that God's will is good, and that God's will is complete. So Romans chapter 12, after those verses in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, in verse 3, he says this, For I say through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, seriously, in accordance with God's truth, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And then he talks about body life and using our gifts. In other words, putting ourselves under others and serving them so that God is lifted up. He is glorified. This one mind serving God in truth, loving one another comes to fruition. And then he gives some instructions after that. In verse nine, he says, let love be without dissimulation, without hypocrisy. Let it be real. Let your love be genuine. Hate the things that are evil, cling to the things that are good, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor. And listen, again, here's a transformed mind. It it serves others. It doesn't put uh, uh, itself uh, on the pedestal to be served. It goes underneath in honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit. He's uh, rejoicing in hope, patient tribulation, continuing incident, urgent in prayer, distributing, giving to the needs of saints, giving to hospitality, again, service to others, blessing those that persecute you, uh, blessing and curse not. Verse 15, rejoicing with those that do rejoice, weep for those that weep, overcoming your enemy with good. And verse 12, so all of this is, is just adamantly opposed to the flesh and what the flesh wants to do. The flesh says, no, I want to I want to be treated like I want to be treated. I need to be served. And the and the scripture says a transformed, renewed mind is putting myself aside and putting myself under others to serve and lift them up. And so in Romans chapter 13, he talks about our relationship to the to the government and our and our role in that and what a transformed mind looks like in that. And then in uh, Romans chapter 13 and verse 8, he says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loves another has fulfilled the law. And he gives the, the, the Ten Commandments and he sums it up as saying, This is saying, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And verse 10, Love works no ill wrong toward his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And then he says, Wake up! 
Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Jesus is coming again. Uh, we're, we're to grow in Christ like this. We're to learn Christ. We're to, we're to follow his principles here. And he says, let's walk honestly. Let's not go after the things of the flesh being conformed to the world. In Romans 13, 13 and verse 14, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the evil desires thereof. The evil desires to exalt yourself, to just live for yourself. And then we get to chapter 14, verse 1. And sometimes these chapters and verse distinctions that came about a thousand years after the scripture were written are a little bit artificial. And they kind of, uh, uh, we, we miss the context here. Because right after he says, don't let your flesh uh, fulfill what it wants to do to to just serve itself. He says this in verse 1. Right following that. Him that is weak in the faith receive you. But not to doubtful disputations. So here is going to be an application. About how to set yourself aside. And your opinions. For the good of others. For the good of others. How to get along. So here we go. Let's work through this. In Romans chapter 14. Uh, how to get along. With each other, even though we might have different opinions about different things. So here we go. There are several principles that come out of these verses here. Several principles that um, show us how to get along with one another. Notice in verse, in chapter 14, 1 and 2. He gives us the principle here of embracing, receiving, welcoming those who disagree with you. That, that word disputable things, disputes over disputable things, that, that concept here is basically things that you have different opinions about that aren't clearly spoken about in Scripture. And there are tons of those. I gave some examples. That's a scratch of the surface. Christians for two millennia have had all kinds of different opinions about different things. Some, and I'm not, not saying that every opinion is, is equal here. Or equal weight or equal value here. But I'm saying there is there is room for different opinions. Even in your own families, husbands and wives, you have different opinions about things than your spouse. This is just how life is. Um, we, we come to land on different things. But he says uh, in, in chapter 14, receive. The word receive, it means to welcome, to embrace. So embrace those who disagree with you. Friends, isn't it wonderful that God has loved you enough to not put you in an environment where everybody just agrees with you? Because we'd just be living in a tunnel, a wind tunnel. It would just echo. But God has given people in our, amongst our midst to have different opinions than us because it sharpens us. It helps us see other perspectives. It helps us realize perhaps our blind spots. Embrace that. God is a God of, of, of such unusual creativity. He does not call us to uniformity. He calls us to unity in Christ and his truth. So embrace those who disagree with you in verses 1 and 2. And verses 3 and 4, he gives just a situation where um, there were probably Jewish people who uh, were... Uh, Conscience really bothered them about going to the marketplace and getting meat that may have been used at a pagan temple sacrifice. 
And so like Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1, they chose to just eat vegetables and say, okay, let's keep this simple here. We're just going to go the, the, the vegetarian route here because we don't want our, our consciences bothered by these things. And then there are others who say, well, there's nothing wrong with, with eating that meat. It's, it's meat. Nothing wrong with that. And so I'm going to eat the meat. Now, the problem was those who didn't were judging those who did. And those who did were saying, rolling their eyes and saying, come on, you know, have, a, have, a, have a piece of meat. And God, through Paul, could have said this. Let's just solve this and make it simple. No meat. No meat. He does not do that. Because there's liberty and freedom in Christ about things that the scriptures have not uh, uh, spoken of clearly. He could have said this the other way, too. He could have said, stop it. Everybody just eat meat. And he doesn't do that. Instead, he lays out these principles of how to relate to one another, both operating uh, with the accountability of a church family, but also understanding that individually we are accountable to the Lord as well. So embrace those who disagree with you. Stop putting up roadblocks and walls between one another, but press toward one another. Because these things that that um, should not be uh, the things that divide us have been overcome by the unity, the power of the cross in Christ. That is where our greatest allegiance is. Not our allegiance on, our, on, on certain political issues, not our allegiance on, on this or that, our, not our allegiance on a variety of other things. The thing that should, that should bind us together more than anything else, and in fact will, it's an eternal bond, is our allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our allegiance. So embrace those who disagree with you. Those who have freedom of conscience. Those who are able to uh, 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 participate. Those who are able to do that according to their conscience. Must not look down on those who refrain. On those who don't. The second principle. And then vice versa. So don't judge him who eats, and don't judge those who don't eat. And verses 3 and 4. Those who have a, a strict conscience, whose conscience restricts them, refrain, uh, feel they, they must refrain, must not judge those who don't refrain, who participate. So either way, either side, uh, where you are and land on a particular uh, debatable issue, you must not, get this, this is the key thing, you must not judge the brother who participates, and you must not judge the brother who refrains. That's key. That's important. And friends, disobeying that just fractures the church. It has ruined churches, split churches so many times. We miss that. We must obey God in this principle here. And friends, by the way, in this, we are all the weaker brother or the stronger brother and all a variety of things. You might be thinking of one issue and you might be the stronger brother in that and says, I can participate in that. But in another issue, you might be the weaker brother who says, my conscience is, uh, uh, can't deal with that. I must refrain from that. And friends, we must understand that uh, with, uh, with there, there are there's so many levels and so many different opinions out there that we could be on weaker brother depending on the issue or stronger brother depending on the issue. So don't just think one thing here. Understand that um, there is a principle here that applies to us no matter what. 
um, because we're, we're either going to be a refrainer or a participator in a variety of things here. Okay. Now notice what he says in verse 5. Um, let each be fully convinced, fully persuaded in his own mind. In other words, here's the principle here. Each must be fully convinced of their position in their own conscience before God. The word of God needs to inform their conscience and how they apply the principle of the word of God or what it says to a particular issue where the word of God does not speak uh, in, in black and white terms uh, needs to be uh, fully persuaded in their own hearts. They need to know that this is what God has spoken to me about. Where I'm going to draw the line. Where I'm going to put a fence up. Or where I'm going to participate. This is where, this is what the Word of God has shown me. And not just, oh, I get to do this or I get to do that. No. We need to know that we, our conscience is informed by God. Not just what other people have told us. Um, whether that's our parents, whether that's our pastor, uh, whether that's um, uh, some visiting speaker, whether that's some other brother and sister in this church who I highly respect. No. Make sure your conscience is persuaded by God and informed by God. Then in verse 5, so each must be fully convinced of their position in their own conscience. Uh, then in verse 6 through 9, you're going to see a phrase here, to the Lord. To the Lord. The one who doesn't eat must be to the Lord. The one who does eat, it must be to the Lord. In other words, they're doing it for God's glory, and here's what we need to do. Again, this is where we can err in judgmentalism. We must assume whether a brother is refraining from something or whether a brother is participating in something, that they are doing it for God's glory. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us to assume good motives with people. That's part of loving people. So we must assume that they are doing it for God's glory. They're doing it for God's glory. Assume others' choices are for the glory of God, whether they are participating or whether they are refraining. Um, and then, in verses 10 through 12, <clears throat> he brings up this concept again. To the Lord, to the Lord, we're the Lord. He might be the Lord of the dead and the living. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He says, verses 10 through 12, he says, Don't judge each other because we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Your little puny self is not the one that they will have to answer to, whether they have refrained from something or whether they have participated in something. You are not the judge of them. They will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will be able to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ on these disputable matters if he has abased his understanding of the word of God and his conscience. The word of God says this, as it is, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, as is written, quoting from Isaiah um, uh, chapter 45, verse 23, says, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess. And uh, verse 12, so then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Account of himself to God. We'll all stand before Lord Jesus Christ. So don't judge each other because we'll all stand before the judgment seat. Wait for that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians um, chapter uh, 3 and 4, he tells the Corinthians who are wrongly criticizing him, he says, it is a small thing to be judged by you. Because I'm going to stand before the Lord. I'm going to give account of my life to the Lord. Then notice verses 13 through 15. Don't judge one anymore, but be resolved not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall, to fall away from the faith in your brother's way. Paul says, 
I know I'm convinced that there's nothing unclean I can eat. Paul says, I'm the stronger brother here. Paul says, I think that's the correct position here. But he says in verse 15, if your brother is grieved because of your food, you're no longer walking in love. Don't destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. What he's saying is this. Stronger brothers, if your conscience is informed by the Lord, you feel you can participate. Your freedom is correct. Don't let it destroy a weaker brother. Now, sometimes um, certain aspects of Christianity have said, well, if someone's really bothered by something I'm doing, they're annoyed by something I'm doing that I feel I have freedom to do, then I shouldn't do it. And that's not what Paul is saying. He's talking about how you're participating in something that you feel is acceptable, stronger brothers, causes a weaker brother to lose their faith to be destroyed, to walk away from Christ. That's different than someone who's you know, been in the church 10, 15, 20 years and, and just has an opinion that you, know, you shouldn't go to amusement parks. That's different. That's not the same thing. In fact, Paul speaks very strongly about um, uh, those who have freedom uh, letting no man judge them in Colossians chapter 3, 2 and 3. Let me give you an example. In the book of Acts and in the epistles, Paul had Timothy circumcised for the sake of the gospel so as to have a, 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 a better acceptance among the Jews that he was ministering to to proclaim Christ. That was their choice. However, in another passage, there was a Gentile, his name was Titus. And there were people who said that Titus must be circumcised to be accepted by God. And Paul says, we did not even for a moment budge on that. We did not allow Titus to be circumcised. Why? Because it was perverting of the gospel that would cause people to fall away. That, oh, well, I can be, I'm accepted by God because I'm circumcised. And Paul says, no, that's, that's a perversion. So there was a missionary activity with Timothy here. To become all things to all men. And there was at the same time with Titus a perversion of the gospel that Paul says no. And so it's important to remember here that your freedom is correct, but don't let it destroy a weaker brother. In verses 13 through 15. Then in verses 16 through 21, he says, uh, Disagreement about opinions are not what the kingdom of God is about. There's a key verse here, and I think verse 17 is 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 just the synopsis of this whole chapter here. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not about these um, uh, peripheral things here. It's not about our opinions. It's not about these things. But here is, Paul can say, unashamedly, this is what God's saving reign in Christ is about. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we're to serve Christ in these things. We're to build others up. We're not to destroy people with our freedom. We're not to destroy people with putting our restrictions on them that are debatable things. Disagreement about opinions are not building, are not important to the kingdom of God. Building each other up in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is. If everybody got a hold of that, that would solve a lot of problems, wouldn't it? That would help us get along in a lot of ways, wouldn't it? 
And so that's what he says in verses 16 through 21. Now in verses, uh, verse 22, he says, um, do you have faith? Are you able to participate in something? Have it before God. Have your, have, let, let it be according to your conscience. If you don't, if you have to refrain from something, let it be according to your conscience here. And so he says this, if you have freedom, don't flaunt it. If you feel you must restrict yourself on this, do not impose your opinion on others. Very important. Freedom, don't flaunt it in front of the one who this really bothers. If you have uh, a, uh, an opinion about a, to, to not participate and restrict it, also do not impose your opinion on God's children. This is this happens honestly. This many times is where churches default to. Well, so and so doesn't like this, okay? And so the whole church needs to then be like. So and so. That means everybody then falls to the lowest common denominator. That's not necessarily a good thing. That doesn't show the the uh, the one mindedness of Christ here. That actually is uniformity, not unity in Christ. And what needs to happen is the weaker brother and the stronger brother need to say, "I'm not going to flaunt this." The stronger brother, the weaker brother, says, "I'm not going to. I this is my opinion. This is where I stand on this. But I'm not going to impose this on my brothers and sisters because that's asking them." To, to come unto me instead of me coming under them like Jesus Christ has called me to and Jesus Christ gave the example of. In verses 16 through 21, there's 22. Then in verse 22 and 23, uh, happy is he who does not condemn himself and what improves. Um, a person who lives according to his conscience is blessed, is blessed. Just make sure your conscience is informed by the word of God, that Christ is the Lord of your conscience. Not other man's traditions, not what somebody else has told you, but Christ is the Lord of your conscience. What his word says. That's why we say um, in, our, in our statement of faith, that is the word of God is our sole authority for our faith and practice. Not what brother so-and-so preached uh, 42 years ago about his opinion or what the what Pastor Jamie uh, shared, what his opinion was, uh, you know, two weeks ago. No, let the word of God and what it clearly says, be the Lord of your conscience. Okay? And then the most wonderful truths here. Sometimes we stop at the end of 14. But Paul's building to a climax. And honestly, everything he said in the book of Romans about our sin, about faith, of what God has done in the gospel of Jesus Christ to outweigh the sin of Adam in, in an, an eternal magnitude of his love and grace. And for chapter 6, 7, and 8, the, the victory we have in Christ by the Spirit living in us. And um, chapters 9 through 11, the future of Israel and God's wonderful plan to include the Gentiles in and graft them in that. And chapter 12, the mercies of God transforming us to serve one another. And chapter 13, to owe no one anything but love. All the law of God is summed up in loving your neighbor as yourself. And then chapter 14, uh, how to deal with each other with, with different opinions. Now in chapter 15, 1 through 13 is the climax of this book. It is what he has been driving at. And listen to what he says in verse 15. We then who are strong need to bear with the scruples, the disputable matters here of the weak and not to please ourselves. Reminds us of this again. 
And it's not about me. It's about serving other people. If you don't take anything away from this study here, get this. It's not about me being happy, me being pleased. True joy comes from pleasing others. True joy comes from pleasing the Lord, I should say, and then pleasing others out of that. That's where true joy comes. I might have personal opinions on a variety of things. I wouldn't be a human being if I wasn't, right, in a world with thousands of opinions. But I cannot be a polarizing person with opinions. I could be a polarizing person in the sense of, of standing on the truth of God's word because there's no other truth besides his word here of what his Bible principles say. Um, I, that doesn't mean I can be hate, hateful about it, but understand that the word of God does divide. Um, but, I, but, I, but, I, but I need to make sure that my opinions... And realms for even some different interpretations of passages here that are not crystal clear cannot be something where I hang my hat on. My hat is hung on the gospel of Jesus Christ who has died for my sins, who was buried and who rose again and was seen by many witnesses. That is where I must find my tuning fork. That is where I find one-mindedness. That is where I do not rob God of his glory in my church. That must be where I stand. Because in the judgment seat of Christ, the day you stand before him and give an account of your life, that is the only thing that you can stand on. That will be what your life will be evaluated on. And God is, as he says even here in Romans 14, able to make you stand and be able to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, let me close uh, here with, with, uh, with these words in verse 2. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification, leading to building up one another. Why? For, on the basis of the gospel, on the basis of God in heaven, with all the glories of heaven, uh, the Son took on flesh, became a Jewish uh, infant, conceived, came was born under the law, took on restrictions, took on uh, 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 difficulty of serving a culture here. Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached me fell on me. And then Paul says this in verse 5 of chapter 15. Now may the God of endurance, patience, comfort, consolation, enable you, empower you, give you this gift here to be like-minded toward one another according to Jesus Christ. Why? That you may glorify the Father with one mind and one voice, one mouth. Glorify Lord Jesus Christ. That we do not rob his glory as we're able to maneuver seamlessly here and practice as a believer here in our local church, the training grounds, a laboratory for world missions of cross cultures. See, our churches are filled with little microcultures, aren't they? We have generational differences. We have great-grandparents all the way down to newborns. 
That's a wonderful thing. Four generations represented in our specific church. At the same time, those are different cultures, microcultures. Um, we have people who've grown up here in this area their whole life, and people who've come from other places, like myself, have, di- have had different influences. Um, we have different opinions, different environments we grew up on, all kinds of different cultures. I mean, we might all have a uh, look alike in many ways, but honestly, we have different things that we enjoy and don't enjoy. We've, we're, we're just different that way. God's wonderfully creative in that way. And it isn't, isn't it wonderful that God has loved us enough so that when he visits us, he desires to see that we are with one voice and one mind glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ in spite of our different opinions. It's a powerful thing. In fact, if you look in the rest of, of uh, Romans 15, later on after he, verses 7 uh, through 13, he's welcomed one another as Christ has welcomed us to the glory of God. That's his one sentence summary of the whole section here. Uh, uh, he says this um, in verse 29 of chapter 15. I know when I come to you, I'm going I'm to come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. He says, when I see you guys face to face, this is, this is, you can be assured of this. I'm going to, God is going to pour out his blessing to you as I, as I, as I uh, bring again this gospel here, the fullness of the gospel. And he says this in verse 30. I beseech you, I beg you, I urge you, I exhort you, brethren, to the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me and prayers to God for me. Paul wants to see a unified church participating in the progress of the gospel. And he knows that there is a clear link between that progress of the gospel to the nations. And participating in Paul with that. Paul says, I want to go to Spain where there hasn't even been laid a foundation yet over there. Paul knows that there is a link there that cannot be dissolved with the church of Jesus Christ and us learning how to get along. I know it's been bemoaned many times over uh, the past uh, decades here why so few go into foreign missions. And one of the reasons I wonder, and this again is my opinion, so test this. One of the reasons I wonder why there isn't is because we haven't learned how to get along with uh, our own cultures and our own church. Our own differences of opinions. And we have created people who are live in uniformity instead of learning how to practice cross-cultural missions. That's not God's intent. God wants people different than me so that I learn to put myself behind the cross and take on the Lord Jesus Christ, put on the Lord Jesus Christ who came from heaven, who put others above himself, who served, took on the form of man, became a servant, gave his life for others so that they are bettered for God's empowerment. That's what God's called me to do. And here's a couple dangers here as I close. Number one, those who have a strong conscience, beware lest they enter into what Jude calls licentiousness. 
into what Jude calls a departing from the faith that was once delivered to the saints into I can do whatever I want to do. There's a warning against that. License to sin. That is not being the strong brother. That is not what freedom in Christ is. License to sin. Crossing a line in the lawlessness and immorality, distorting the gospel here. Saying I can do whatever I want. God's grace, I'm free to do whatever I want. The Bible doesn't say you're free to do whatever you want. The Bible says you are free to do what God has declared. Okay? That's an extreme on the strong conscience. And here is the part of the strong conscience that Paul is warning about here in Romans chapter 14. Don't look down or despise, roll your eyes, of those with a weak conscience, those who must refrain, feel they have to refrain from things. All right? Why? That's arrogance, and that diminishes the gospel. Okay? Here's where Paul wants you to land. Okay? Those of you say, I can participate in such and such. And by the way, remember again, we're all weaker, stronger brothers, depending on the um, particular topic, etc. here. Um, participators, refrainers, strong conscience. Um, be fully persuaded. Be welcoming of those who have a different opinion on this and may refrain. Don't look down on them. Um, love them. That reveals the gospel. Now here was where Paul was. Okay, here's where Paul was. Paul was a stronger brother. Paul felt he was free to be flexible and disputable matters in order to, first of all, edify fellow believers and advance the gospel. He says in 1 Corinthians 9.22, some of these disputable things, he says, I become all things to all people that by all means, the flexibility there, he was the quintessential missionary patterning his life after Christ, the quintessential missionary, that by all means I might save some. That's love. That magnifies the gospel. And that's where all of us need to be pushing toward, wherever we are. And let me say now to the other aspect, weaker conscience must refrain, okay? There were some who started expanding those fences and expanding those uh, restraining orders here and were crossing the line into legalism. They were saying that you must follow these rules that I have set up because that is what marks you out as a Christian. That's heresy. Paul has some of his strongest words to that in the book of Galatians. That distorts the gospel. That is legalism, saying, I am saved by obeying um, rules. That's, 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 not, that's not how it works. Um, Jesus had some of his strongest words to say to the Pharisees who, who thought that way as well. Okay? And there's a shade over here that Paul addressed in Romans chapter 14. He says, don't judge those who say they can participate, those who have a stronger conscience here. Okay? Um, whatever the meat is, right? Um, don't say it's sinful to eat meat. The Christians are do so are being unfaithful to God. Mm-mm. That's cancer. And that's wrong. That's judgmental. And that diminishes the gospel. Just as much as a stronger brother who rolls his eyes at you. That's wrong. Now, here is the realm here of acceptable here. Of having a weak conscience in a certain area. 
And by this I mean you feel, according to your conscience being informed by the Word of God, you must refrain from a certain activity where the Bible is not particularly clear about. You need to be fully persuaded, but you must be welcoming rather than judging those who say they feel they can participate. That's key. You can have a conscience that says, I must refrain from this and be walking with the Lord. I'm going to assure you of that. Okay. Now, Paul was the stronger brother. And that's, I think, where we all need to be growing toward. But understand, if your conscience says, I need to refrain from this, maybe you were saved out of pornography or delivered from pornography and... Um, uh, you know, having a cell phone uh, or a computer screen before you was just such a a, a temptation difficulty. You're saying, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have those things. Now, you can't say for somebody else that they can't. And it's okay to draw that line for you. Put that fence up. Okay, that's fine. And you need to make sure you're doing it for the glory of God, but you need to make sure that you are welcoming Christians who might have a different opinion. Welcome. And that's love. That reveals the gospel. It reveals the gospel. So wherever you fall on, what it, on, on any disputable matter, make sure that your response to other people who might have different opinions on these particular matters shows a love, a service to them, and a one-mindedness in the gospel of Jesus Christ for the sake of building up your brothers and sisters and not a pride and arrogance. Let's close with chapter 15 and verse 7. Therefore, receive. The word receive is the word welcome. It's the word embrace. It's the word of coming towards. Not avoiding. Receive. Welcome one another. Why? Always gets back to the gospel, doesn't it? As our power. As this Christ also received us to the glory of God. I love that Paul says received us. Because he brings strong and weak all together in Christ. Let's grow in this. Why is this so key in the Apostles' Doctrine of a Renewed Mind? Because, again, the church is the laboratory for cross-cultural missions. If we can't figure this out with other believers, how are we going to be effective and navigate giving the gospel of Jesus Christ and loving the world, becoming servants who embody Christ in the flesh to the lost? How can we eat with publicans and sinners? How can we grow as effective missionaries? This is key to the progress of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, will you help those of us who might have a tendency, propensity, to just be participators in anything and everything, to not move into lawlessness and immorality. There were people even in the early churches in Roman uh, Revelation uh, 2 and 3 of those seven churches who uh, excused sin because of this and went into license. May we guard that. 
Lord, those who are uh, of us who are stronger brothers and feel we can participate in certain aspects here, would you help us to not have an arrogance and look at, at others with um, that pride here and roll our eyes, but to serve and love? Those of us, Lord, who um, are stronger brothers uh, in a particular uh, issue, Lord, would you help us to uh, love and reveal the gospel? Lord, those of us who have consciences in certain areas that must refrain, may we never put lines around lines and fences around fences and say this is what it means to be accepted by God and distort the gospel with legalism. And Lord, those of us who feel in certain particular uh, arenas that we must uh, refrain, help us not to be judgmental to those who feel the freedom in Christ to participate over disputable matters that diminishes the gospel. Help us, Lord, with the arenas that we feel we must put a line up here for ourselves to protect, project that on ourselves and not on others. And understand that that reveals the gospel and grow in maturity in these things. Regardless of where we stand on disputable matters, Lord, in all of this, help us display the glory of God and not rob his glory that he has shared with us. And may your church be stronger and brighter and more powerful in its witness of a variety of people saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, justified by the resurrection of God and putting on Christ and learning him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Put these to practice.